0: Welcome, everyone, to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross. Gail Monfils continues to break new ground in his career. For the first time, he's won back-to-back titles. He won Montpellier. Most recently, on Sunday, he beat Félix Auger Aliassime in the final in Rotterdam. It's also the first time he's ever defended a title as he uh, took home the crown in Rotterdam a year ago. So now that's uh, back-to-back in two respects, in a way. And uh, I will break down the final with Felix Oge aliasim, as well as getting to your comments at the end of this one. The thumbnail is the very unique and irreplaceable Gaël Monfils with his unique celebration. Um, he's extending his right arm. It kind of reminded me – I don't know if this is Star Wars and he's using the Force – uh, but the first thing that it reminded me of is Avatar the Last Airbender. You know, it looked like he was, you know, maybe earthbending or airbending or firebending, maybe even waterbending. Um, anyway, I know that's the, the nerd segment is, is over in this show. I think that's one of the best shows ever. That's just my take. Um, as for tennis, um, I'm going to start talking about Galmon Monfils and uh, what I'm liking from his game at the moment, and then I want to also talk about Felix Ojai Aliassim. It's a great run. He is finally back to showing incredible promise, but I'm mostly. It's mostly going to be a, a little bit negative. That's what happens on the show when you when you make the final and you don't play well in the final. It's tough with Monday match analysis. You get bashed anyway. It's a very brutal position to be in as a player because I have to review the final. Uh, I don't have to, but I want to review the final where it was not a very good showing for FAA. He's now 0-4 in finals. Um, Okay, first thing is the backstory here with Monfils is is I felt like he was playing incredible tennis post-Australian Open last season. I covered it. I'm going to just refresh you guys on some of the things I talked about um, a year ago. At this very time, when Monfils won Sofia, I think he won Sofia, and then he won um, – you know, I don't think he won Sofia. I know he won Rotterdam, and then I know he went very far in – it might have been Dubai, and he lost to Stefanos Tsitsipas in the semifinal. Regardless, he he was having very good results. And then he goes to Indian Wells, and first two or three rounds there, he looks incredible, but then he gets injured. He had to withdraw from Indian Wells – Uh, Never played his match against Dominic Team. couldn't play Miami either, and just never looked the same for the rest of the year for me. I was really expecting him to be a factor at the French Open last year, and that didn't happen. The injury seemed to really disrupt things. So now, I'm just hoping that that doesn't happen again, and that he maintains uh, what we're seeing right now, because again, he's showing some really good things. The biggest difference, the number one thing that I think that has changed about Gail Monfils is he has learned to string together aggression, multiple shots in a row, where there was a time in Gail Monfils' career where it was almost zero or 100, and he didn't understand how to build a point. He didn't understand how to sustain offense. He didn't have the 80% shot, which you need. To put yourself in a position to find easier offense because, you know, it's it's hard to just be passive, you know, to, and try to find yourself a short ball if you're not hitting heavy trades and building a point. You know, Mofis used to just try to find offense in one shot whenever he was tired. There was no rhyme or reason to his shot selection. All of it was off feeling. And he had to do a lot of running He had to play a lot of defense, and he made a lot of errors when he tried to be aggressive because he wasn't putting himself in good positions. The second thing is that when he gets a short ball, he is now, and this was true last year, this is not a new innovation. This was from last season. I'm just recapping. Um, He is now um, not or recognizing short balls and looking to do damage off of short balls, which was not the case for most of his career when he would routinely basically massage balls back that really deserved to be punished. And that is giving his opponent a free pass, a second life. It's making Gale run more. It's making his opponent run less. And it is giving his opponent basically another chance at rebuilding a rally that he really you know should be behind it's it's a it's a free pass it's almost like an error it's not quite an error because you're prolonging the point but when someone hits a short ball that short ball deserves to be punished by the way you'll make a lot less errors fils if you don't punish short balls you're not putting any pressure on your opponent to keep the ball out of the middle of the court so, Monfils' shot selection was always very backwards. Not always, but it was for the most part very backwards, very random, not good, and he's corrected that. It's still important that Monfils has what he's known for brilliant counterattack, unbelievably explosive movement around the court. That is still important. And the good news is that into his mid-30s, he's 34, he still has that. Check out this point against Filip Krajinovich. Second set tiebreak. Krajinovich steps into this forehand, launches his body into it with full power, puts it in a perfect spot, and somehow Monfils gets to it. Um... He puts this shot on the full stretch, he gets it low on the defensive slice backhand, and makes Krajanovic hit a half volley that's so uncomfortable that Krajanovic actually has to retreat back to the baseline. Now, pay attention to the screenshot. Later in the show, I'm going to talk about Felix Ojeali-Asim's shot selection, and In order to do that, I want to remind everyone of the framework that I look at shot selection in. Decision makers, there are four of them. When you decide to attack a ball, there are four decision makers. Your court position, your opponent's court position, the incoming ball, and your outgoing ball. The fourth one kind of has an asterisk, an asterisk, I should say. Um, Because you've already hit the ball. So really that just has to do with if you go to the net or how you position yourself on the court. But um, if we're focusing on the three main decision makers, uh, Krajinovic has hit a weak outgoing ball because it was a half volley that's going to float up in the air with no heaviness whatsoever – uh Monfils' court position is good. He's inside the court. And Krajinovic's court position is extremely problematic because he's not ready to defend because he hasn't retreated far back enough because he was at the net. So this is a ball that Monfils is going to attack, and he's going to hit a very easy, clean winner. Again, that didn't require such in-depth analysis, but I'm just getting that off my chest so that I don't need to do it later. Um, so... There's Monfils turning defense into offense. He can still do that. That's still a unique skill. But at the end of the day, it's Monfils, the, the change that he's made, because he's always had that in his game. The change that he's made is the routine neutral rally, um, attacking in, um, in succession instead of in one, not hitting lazy, weak trades trying to generate offense um, anytime he gets a short ball and not just letting his opponent off the hook and prolonging the rally for no reason whatsoever. Uh, Those are the most important things. He he remains a very willing defender. He still has a really big first serve, and those are other things that he brings to the table. But uh, last year, he got better at the net. He learned to use his athleticism in other ways, to close the net faster than most players could close the net. And this year I've found, watching him in Rotterdam, I've, I've found that um, he's using his power in ways that are a lot more repeatable than how he used to use his power. He's really become very good with his forehand at attacking no pace balls, even, even if they're deep. He's really, really strong. From the baseline, I mean, he can hit the ball as big as anyone on tour. Um, But oftentimes, he's only used his power and his strength in counter-attacking scenarios, from the back of the court, generating offense from defensive positions. He's he's learning, and he's doing a better job at using his power um, to attack weak outgoing balls that are maybe deep in the court. That a lot of players on tour can't attack. Monfils has the power to generate his own pace. So he's doing a good job with that. It's a good title run. Um, Speaking specifically about the Felix match, Monfils wasn't aggressive at all because he didn't need to be. He stuck to a game plan. It worked. He hung back in the court. Mm -hmm. He committed himself to defense. He committed himself to consistency. It it was all he needed to do. Felix was not putting enough balls in the court. He could not find the range on his forehand. He could not stay in rallies. And it became very clear very early in the match that the risk-to-reward ratio on FAA's ground strokes was not there. In other words, Felix was making a lot of errors, going for a lot, um, basically playing with very aggressive shot selection. But the problem was Monfils, with his extremely defensive court position, combined with his really, you know, high-end speed, was actually able to neutralize a lot of the offensive shots that Felix was able to get into the court. FAA never surrendered to the fact that it was going to be very difficult to hit through Monfils off the ground. And FAA never surrendered to that fact. He never let up in his aggression to try to make more balls in the court. And I think what a veteran player would do, what a Rafa Nadal would do, what a Roger Federer would do, Djokovic would probably just try to outlast him, wear him down, but I'll use you know Nadal and Federer. They would have just... Taken taking a little bit off the ball and go to the net. Um, if Monfils was trying to hang back, defensive court position, full out defense, is it going to be hard to hit through him? Yeah. What do you do? Take a little bit off your approach shot. Mm-hmm. Make it in the court. Go to the net. It's going to be an extremely difficult passing shot for Monfils uh, when he is 10 feet behind the baseline. Felix never got the feel for that. And was continuously making errors trying to press off the ground to try to hit it through Mofis. Who was on the back fence, chilling with the lines judges. And he's one of the fastest players in tennis. And Felix was just feeling too much pressure to try to generate offense. He couldn't do it. He was making errors. That's how the match played out. It was a very straightforward victory. Um, until the very end where Monfils was trying to serve it out in the second set. He was up two breaks in the second set, and Felix, for the first time, uh, relaxed so much in the match that he played his best tennis and got a break back before Monfils um, calmly and expertly closed it out. So, let's take a look at some of the shot selection from this match from FAA. It was a frustrating match to watch if you were an FAA fan uh, or just for me was hoping for a closer match because I didn't care who won. Um, so let's look at this shot, for for example. This is a ball that Felix is taking on the rise. The outgoing ball from Monfils was pretty neutral, uh, somewhat unattackable. You can see Monfils' court position. He is about 10 feet behind the baseline, assuming that I'd say the back fence is 15 feet, 15 feet of room between the baseline and the back fence. Apologies for anyone who thinks in meters. I don't. Sorry. I know it stinks. Um, but yeah, he's about, he's about, um, it's about 10 feet behind the baseline. Uh, FAA is behind the baseline, just behind the baseline He's in the middle of the court. There's not a lot of angle to work with. Monfils is recovered, essentially. He's in the middle of the court. There's no reason, really... Felix doesn't have an advantage in this rally. There's no advantage. This is a neutral ball for Felix. The only advantage that Felix has in this rally is the ball's in the middle of the court. But when you're dealing with a player as fast as Monfils, that just takes away the angles. It's it's really hard to generate offense off this ball. It's a neutral shot. It should be a safe shot. And Felix hits the strings and hits it wide. That tells me whenever a player hits it wide. Now, normally when the ball goes in the net, when the ball goes past the baseline, that's not a matter of margin. That is simply, you know, normally bad footwork or it's forced error or you mistimed the ball. No one's aiming too close to the baseline. You can. It's rare. No one's really aiming too close to the net. Every tennis player understands that. But when it comes to hitting perfectly on the strings and missing wide on a neutral ball, it just means you are not giving yourself enough margin here. So Felix does that here. But look, Monfils was there anyway. Uh, He kind of lets up here because the ball was out. Um, But he was there. He got a racket on it. And the only reason I point that out is because think about the risk to reward. Let's take a look at this. 40-30, same thing. FAA's behind the baseline. Monfils, 8 feet behind the baseline. He's in the middle of the court, recovered. Felix, on the deuce side, between the middle and the sideline. You know, there's a little angle there. I could see an angle working, but what does he do? He pulls at line. It would have been a clean winner, but again, he hits the strings perfectly on what should be a neutral ball and misses wide. Um, whoopsie. There's The the shot selection was too much for me here. It, it was too aggressive, and he never found his range, so that that's even more reason to reel it back. Um, now I want to show a different scenario. So those two examples are balls that, to me, they should be neutral balls for Felix. There should be no aggression happening on those shots. It should just be a trade. You should trade it back. Live, you know, live to see another shot in the rally. Wait for your short ball. Wait for your opportunity. Um this is another scenario. Now I want to show that I feel like Felix even when he did have the edge in a rally was too eager to finish it in one shot and most likely, a more polished player, as I said, would have uh, would have figured out a way to take a little bit off these approach shots and just go to the net. Where, by the way, Felix was really successful at the net. High percentage. 10 for 13 at one point in the match. Uh, didn't get up there that often, but when he was up there, was generally getting good looks at volleys. Uh, one big point in the first set, uh, I think a break point, Felix was passed on brilliant passing shot it happens but for the most part Felix was good at the net just couldn't get up there missed so many approach shots so many so this is a this is an instance um, where Felix does have the edge in the in the rally he's in good shape Molfese's court position bad he's off the court outgoing ball attackable Felix does such a good job of taking the ball on the rise to take time away uh, that that will cut down on the time that Monfils has to cover, uh, recover rather, to the middle of the court. So the line is open. It's going to be hard for Monfils to even split step because he's that far off the court. Which means even hitting it behind Gale could be a good play. The way that FAA is able to take the ball on the rise and how he cuts the time off—it's—it's it's Federer-esque. It's a tremendous attribute that he has. Um. The line's wide open. Monfils is literally, literally on the back fence. If this ball is anywhere in the vicinity of the sideline on the right side, Monfils is going to have a, a, a basically a, a nearly impossible passing shot. He might throw up a defensive lob. I mean, he's too far back to hit a passing shot. Essentially, it would take a miracle. But Felix, again, hits the strings and actually hits this long. And if video would display this better, if you could see this shot, you would see that Felix actually hit this forehand really hard down the line. Why? Why hit it hard? You don't need to hit it hard. If you look at the shots in tennis that are hit the hardest, generally, they are not approach shots. There's no you don't need to hit approach shots hard. You need to take time away and put it in the right spot. The shots that are hit the hardest in tennis are from the back of the court, from behind the baseline. And with good reason because in a in a scenario like this, you know, you're inside the court, so by the way, it it's a little bit harder to hit the ball hard. You have less court to work with. You got to make sure you dip it before the baseline. Um, obviously sometimes it's, there's just less margin when it comes to depth here and taking time away is going to do the trick. That's why, and it's a, that's why it is an approach shot because you have most likely taken time away. That's why you're able to get to the net. So he's trying to make this too good. And on the backhand side, um, you could see the same thing. Monfils off the court here. This is 3-1 in the second set. Monfils does a good job on this defensive backhand. I guess I don't have a screenshot for it. Uh, But FAA hitting on the rise. He takes it down the line. He hits the strings. And it goes wide. And guess what? If it didn't go wide, Monfils is there. Why? Because he is literally with the line's judges and he is really fast. And it's really hard to hit it past someone who's as fast as Monfils and 15 feet behind the baseline. So Felix aiming for lines here and making errors is, the risk reward is completely off. Now I just wanna quickly show you Monfils. Uh This is him, you'll see him do, you know, making a similar play. There's the first shot, it gets FAA off the court. It's a great angle. Felix defends cross court and the court's open and cool, calm and collected. Malfice just steers this down the line he does not hit this hard. He does not hit it particularly close to the lines, but he took time away, and he had Felix off the court, so it's it's an easy winner. This ball bounced twice before it got to the baseline. Um, oh, I guess this was the defensive backhand. I put it out of order. Anyway, that ball bounced twice before it hit the back fence. He didn't hit it hard. The, the forehand approach shot that Felix hit that was out, um, that didn't – that blazed across the, the back of the court because he tried to nail the ball. So this rant all to say that I think that Felix is lacking a little bit of uh, feel at the moment at 19 years of age. There's so much time for him to develop, but – He's going for too much, overcooking his shots a lot of the time, hitting the ball harder than it needs to be hit when he's inside the court instead of, uh, and maybe that's lack of trust in his volleys, I don't know, Um, but he simply could not make this a contested match because he couldn't hit enough balls in the court here, unfortunately. When Felix is on, he is so difficult to deal with. He is so quick, his footwork is so good, he's so explosive, he's so on top of things that his court position can be extremely aggressive and he still manages to find himself forehands a la Roger Federer inside the court. He can be precise with his forehands. He hits them very hard. He hits them without a lot of shape like lasers. And when they're landing in the court, he can hit you off the court, it can be very hard to deal with because of how he takes time away, how hard he hits his forehand, and how precise he is with his forehand. His backhand, he can do similar things. He takes it on the rise. He hits it very hard. It's not as precise. He also has a big first serve, and he's a really good return, returner of serve when it comes to um, covering the box because he's very athletic. The first thing I saw with Felix was, oh my god, this guy's got an incredible offensive repertoire, has so much firepower, so much weaponry, but combines it with elite athleticism. And that's why I was so enthused. I still am enthused. I don't want to speak in the past tense here. But that's, that's what was immediately so compelling about Felix's game. Unfortunately, you 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 need to be able to use what you have when it comes to Felix's athleticism. And he does not use it because he does not play defense um, regularly. He is too busy trying to end points quickly to actually unlock what he has, which is really great speed around the court, really some pretty good defensive skills, just doesn't use them. Doesn't give himself a chance to use them. Because he's too inconsistent. And I tweeted after the match. 80% of tennis discourse is about weaponry. 80% of tennis matches are decided with consistency. And that's what this final was. Is there anything else? No. Let's go to the comments. Um, Oh, I have one more thing to say in general with Felix. Um... Yeah, he just like Dennis Shapovalov, and um, is there another? Mostly just like Denis Shapovalov, the two Canadians. They need to look to Dominic Team, and they need to develop just like just like he developed. And take a look at their shot selection, how many balls they're making in the court. Now, I think that uh, an important distinction to make is. FAA is a way better natural athlete than Shapovalov. Chapo w- always in my mind will need to play a very aggressive brand of tennis. FAA, I don't know. I I don't know why his shot selection is as aggressive as a th- you know a 30 you know Federer in his mid 30s. That's how FAA is playing. But it's a great athlete who's 19. When Roger Federer was 20 years old, he was Not this aggressive from the baseline. He was way more willing to run. He was way more consistent. But Felix seems... His shot selection... It's like he plays on the forehand side like Matteo Berrettini. He doesn't need to. He's fast. So um, I'm a little bit at odds with FAA's shot selection. Riskier in my mind than it needs to be. Ooh, I got a cough. Hold on. Um, okay. Comments, Daniel McMuffin. What do you make of the Medvedev and Tsitsipas upsets? Um, surprising, especially after Tsitsipas beat Harkat. Medvedev lost first round. It's a pretty bad stretch for Medvedev here, and I just think it's important that they. Um, find their rhythm soon. I, I I I need to reserve my full comments for that until it really becomes a trend. I mean, it's... I mean, Tsitsipas was... Or or am I thinking of Medvedev? Medvedev was pretty good at the ATP Cup and loses to Stan at the Australian Open. I got to see more from them. But very disappointing because th- this seemed like after... After a tough Australia, this felt like a big tournament for Shapovalov, Tsitsipas, and Medvedev. That's what Rotterdam felt like. Felt like a big tournament for those three to try to get back on track, and it didn't happen. So um, I know – I think Medvedev's playing again this week. Is it in Marseille? Sorry if I'm – my French is bad. I'm just going to be honest. It's bad. So sorry if I'm not pronouncing that well. Um pass is re- re- returning. I know Tsitsipas, Pass, I think he's playing Mersaille. I think Tsitsipas and Medvedev are playing this week. Anyway, they need to uh let's see if they can if they can get it together. I know team is playing in Rio de Janeiro. There's like no one in the top fifteen playing in that tournament, so team's all alone there. Sunflowers of Inferno says very simple question Who among the big three is going to end up with the most number of slams and why? Um, If you didn't see my interview with Steve Flink after the Australian Open, please um, check that out after this video. He predicted Djokovic 22, Federer, and Nadal 21 each. We had a discussion about that. My position has always been not to make a prediction on this because it's predicting longevity. Um, But I will go ahead and tell you what I think right now. Uh, Djokovic is showing... The fewest signs of slowing down. Um, Nadal is showing more deterioration of his movement. And while his game is adapting rapidly, while he has already enjoyed the fruits and the benefits of that adaptation, with all of the recent success he's had, which has been substantial, he's had still more injury history. He has had more uh, troubling results against Djokovic and Federer at slams, French Open notwithstanding. Um, so it appears right now on the current trajectory, uh, Novak Djokovic would end up with the most number of slams. However, I also think that um, being third place at the moment is a pretty substantial thing that you know should be taken into consideration because you just don't know what will happen or what could happen with an injury that perhaps could be more severe than Rafa Nadal has to deal with, with his chronic knee tendinitis. And, um, there have also been more frequent dips in Djokovic's physical fitness and his, almost his spiritual balance and his motivation, which is something that I don't think Federer and Nadal have had to deal with. But, uh, Gun to my head, it does look like Djokovic will if he continues. He's showing the least signs of slowing down right now. Um, I I also will say that I, I think that the big three probably only has one to two years left of winning the majority of the slams. So I don't think these numbers are going to end up in the in like the mid 20s. I think they're going to be in the low 20s, as as Steve Flink predicted, and uh, I think it will be very tight. All right, um, two more I want to get to. Um, hide, Hader Raha or Hider or Hider. About Federer and Djokovic, Djokovic stated after his Australian Open victory that he planned to cut down his schedule to prioritize the Grand Slams. In in contrast to what he said, he has entered the Dubai tournament. Do you think it is wise for him to play there given the amount of tennis he has played this year? On the other side, Federer announced the French Open would be his only clay court appearance. Again, how wise is this from Roger knowing that team and possibly even Medvedev will likely overtake him before the grass season? I know Wimbledon has its own seedings, but it does take current ranking into consideration. Given that the big three are all well into the 30s, the draw is more important as it's ever been. So don't you think Fetter should have at least played one Masters event on clay before Roland Garros to protect his ranking a little bit? Thank you, and good to have you back, Gil. You're welcome. Thank you. One week off, that's all. Um. So... Djokovic playing Dubai. Yeah, I mean, Djokovic, need, whatever he did last year, he needs to not do that because he came to the Sunshine Double distracted, out of shape, had no cardio. I mean, uh, so I don't want to, you know, if Dubai is going to be the way he gets back into playing shape so he can put on a better showing at Indian Wells in Miami, I think I like it for, uh, for Novak Djokovic. And last season, I think there was a common theme that... He didn't deal very well with time off, Djokovic. So if he's making that adjustment and he's going to try to limit his long vacations, maybe that'll be a good thing based on how he played coming out of vacation. I mean, he did not play well in Indian Wells or Miami. Then he did not play well at Monte Carlo. Um, I don't know if there are if there are other examples um, of that those two jump out to me. Oh, I mean, he didn't play well coming out of the off season. His first tournament, Doha, he didn't look very good. Then he looked good in Australia. So, I mean, I don't know. In recent history, I feel like Djokovic has played better. Think about the clay court season last year. I mean, it took him a little while. So, I don't know. Uh as as for Roger Federer, because it's an Olympic year, I think he he needed to maybe not play Madrid as he did last year. Um or am I getting that wrong? Anyway, I think he does need to cut down because it, because of the Olympics this year. I think it helped him to play the French Open going into grass court season, getting him used to feeling, uh, getting him match tough, feeling match pressure, getting into that routine, um, closing out matches. I'm, I've talked about this before, but I think it helped him. So I think it's a good balance for Feder. Remember, it, I think Feder needs to cut down because it's an Olympic season. But I think it's good that he's playing clay. One more question. Um, it's it's actually a question that was in the top three in likes, which was Gold Wolf's question. But YouTube must hate him because it didn't put it at the top. Like all the questions were in order of likes, and then one question was just not, even though it got more likes. Um, so uh, the question is: Is Felix a choker? He's been to so many finals now um, and never won one. This one, Lamont, looked so tired, bending down to breathe. He does that all the time and looked slow as heck. And still, Felix couldn't win. I like Felix as a person, and he has a very nice game, but damn, he can't win anything. Not even against lame Lamont. (laughs) I'm getting frustrated, cheering for a chronic loser. He's 19, and he's made four finals. Um... Okay, and then there's some Joker shots, and you guys can read that if you want. Um, um, okay, but I mean, the question he brings up got 14 likes, by the way, is a, a question that he's not alone in posing: Is what's going on with Felix? Is he a choker? 0 oh, four in finals. What's happening here? Um, I don't, I don't know. Now, I think that he was pretty stubborn and stressed and overwhelmed. And I think he did not handle the moment very well in Rotterdam um, because he was just... He really could not make any kind of adjustment. But at the end of the day, four matches. One against Laszlo Jera. It was his first career final in Rio. He loses it. Next was against Benoit Paire. It was, I think, the next week... He lost. The next was against Matteo Berrettini on grass. I wouldn't want to play Berrettini on grass. He lost. This one was against Monfils. And uh, yeah, I mean, he played terrible. He played terrible. So I, I don't want to make excuses for Monfils, uh, who, who was a little bit ill. He always bends down in exhaustion between points. You, you can't read into that with, with Gale. But uh, he, he didn't play well. But is he a choker? Man, um I would love to be. I think everyone would love to be in the position that FAA is at nineteen years of age. So if he's a choker now, well, good thing he got that out of the way, uh, because it takes most players a lot longer. And eventually he will win a final. He will win he he'll win one. And then everyone will forget about it. So that's how it works. Uh Trends like this are way overblown. They generally don't mean that much. Will he be in his head the next time he steps on a court in a final? Will he think about how he's 0-4? Yes. But soon enough, he will win one, and that will all go away. Why? Because he's too good a player not to. So that'll be the end of that. Um, With that being said, there's not enough margin in his game. There's not. By the way, I think the biggest refute of that is why doesn't he choke in the semifinal? Is there no pressure in the semifinal? Wouldn't a choker not lose in the semifinal? So that's why I don't, I don't put stock into the blanket phrase choker. I mean you make the final. That means you're not a choker. Uh, but you could have uh, a bit of a mental issue with finals emerge from losing multiple in a row. Uh, which Serena Williams probably has right now too, she'll have to overcome that if 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 she wants to win another major title um but under pressure, I do think that Felix may have difficulty with uh the low margin that he plays because you know unless unless he can he can overcome that and channel his Um, I think John Isner does this very well. I think Roger Federer does it very well. And I know that sounds completely crazy to lump those two, but it's true. They both – both of them play just as aggressive no matter if it's six all in the final set tiebreak or if it's a random point in the middle of the first set. It's really hard to do that, but for how aggressive Felix plays and how little margin in his game – Uh, He might struggle in the pressure points if he doesn't figure out one or the other. Am I going to give myself more margin under pressure or am I going to find a way to play exactly the same? But if I get tight and I'm aiming, you know, and I'm not giving myself margin and I feel like I need to finish the point quickly, sometimes that can get a little bit sticky. All right. Uh, This was long. Apologies. Uh, Let's see. Anything else? Might do a fun video next week. I need to update the Hulk video. There will also be more interviews coming to the the channel very, very soon. I'm in very exciting talks uh, with a lot of people. So that's just a little teaser for you. I hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time.